Good morning, everyone. We are still in our Christmas at the Movies series, and that will continue through the end of the month, and then we're getting ready for a new year. And of course, much of our anticipation is about this Christmas coming up in just a few days. Today, I want to read for you one of the Christmas Gospels. It's the one that we typically don't read on Christmas or Christmas Eve, uh, but it's a Christmas Gospel nonetheless. It tells about the birth of Jesus, and this comes from the Gospel of Matthew right at the beginning in chapter 1. And of course, Matthew was a tax collector before he started to follow Jesus, and then his whole life changed when he began to follow Jesus. So this is how Matthew tells the Christmas story. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, this is one of the four stories of Christmas in the New Testament. Yeah, I said four. Now, the one we typically read on Christmas at our Christmas services here at Messiah is Luke chapter 2. I like to think of Luke chapter 2 as like the storybook Christmas. You've got the manger, Mary and Joseph are there, there's a star, the angel shows up, the shepherds show up, and the story is peaceful, and it's beautiful, and there's music in the air. The storybook Christmas from Luke chapter 2 is one of our favorites for sure. Now, Matthew chapter 1 is quite a bit different. It starts off a bit more grim. Mary is engaged, but she's already pregnant. And in a culture like that, to be already pregnant before you're engaged could mean some very, very serious thing. They would shame her in her culture. And in fact, if Joseph were to levy charges against her that she was cheating on him before they were married, then Mary could even be put to death. And in the story as well, you, um, it includes the visit of the Magi. This is in chapter 2 of Matthew. The Magi come and they visit King Herod and they find out where the child is going to be. And we believe that Jesus was probably about the age of one or so by the time the Magi got there. And we believe this because Herod, when the Magi tricked him and the Holy Family escaped and went to Egypt, Herod decided to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem under the age of two. And so just to make sure that he covered all his bases, he killed everybody under the age of two just to make sure that he would get Jesus, which of course he doesn't. And we talked about that last week. Now in John's gospel, there is a little Christmas story, but it's a little hard to see. And in fact, it starts before Christmas. It actually starts before Genesis. It says that the word was with God and the word was God. 
And it's referring to Jesus. It's talking about the origin story of Jesus, that Jesus, we come to find out, our Messiah, our Savior who's here, the one who's going to be born, Jesus, in fact, was God. He's not just a prophet, but he was God. And then John continues, and he says something like this, God took on flesh. He was born as a human. He dwelt and lived among us. He says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's no manger. There's no shepherds. There's no star. John just gets right to the point about the significance of Jesus. He focuses on the incarnation. If Jesus is going to die for your sins, then Jesus has to become one of us. He has to become like you. And that's John's gospel. Now, the other Christmas story, the other Christmas gospel that's there in the New Testament, you maybe have never heard before. It's actually in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And you're never going to hear this read at Christmas services. It's just a little too spooky. I like to call it the dragon Christmas story. It's one of my favorites. See, there's a woman. And this woman represents all of Israel. And we know this because she has a crown upon her head that has 12 stars on it, kind of referring to the 12 tribes of Israel. And we know that when she's representing Israel, this woman that it's talking about in Revelation is Mary. Now, she was pregnant, and she was going to give birth to a son who was supposed to rule all the nations. But there was a red dragon, and the red dragon didn't want this to happen. And so he decided that the moment that the child was born, he was going to devour the child. And when you hear that, it reminds you of Herod, right? Herod's out to get Jesus. But we know it's not just Herod. Herod's being controlled. The evil one is controlling Herod. The evil one is the one that ultimately wants Jesus eliminated. So the story tells us in Revelation 12 that the woman fled. She fled to the wilderness. And we know that the Holy Family had to flee from Herod. They had to flee to Egypt, and they stayed there for several years. Now, heaven was so angry at this red dragon that it says in Revelation 12 that the archangel Michael, he started a war against the serpent, and he cast him out of heaven and any of the angels who were following him. We call them demons, but they started as angel beings. And when this, heaven, when this happened, heaven broke out in a song, and this is the song from Revelation 12. Heaven broke out in the song, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. They're just singing this song over and over again because now that Jesus is born, they know that the Savior's in the world. He's going to take sin away. He's going to die for it. He's going to conquer it. He's going to conquer death. And heaven is excited about this. Heaven is singing this song out loud. And of course, you know this. Revelation ends with the Lamb of God triumphing and saving people from all nations. Revelation says that people of all tongues and all ethnic groups from all nations around the world will come to know and follow and love Jesus, and Jesus is going to save them, all in Revelation chapter 12. But some people, they don't seem to know that right there in the middle of Revelation is the dragon Christmas story. And why do I tell you this? Because the Bible is cool, people. It is dragons and all kinds of things, angel warriors, come on, this is the best. But of course, the best part is that it's good news for us. It's good news, which is probably more important to point out 
than any of the other things. But I, I like the cool dragon stuff. Now, this leads me to Home Alone. I yeah, hope you've seen the movie. If you've seen Home Alone 2 as well, it's equally as good. The Home Alones that follow it, not so good. Now, I don't know why I can just segue into Home Alone, but I didn't have a segue for you, so I'm just going to jump into it. There's an extended family, maybe 15 or 20 of them. I don't know. They were moving so fast around the house that um, I couldn't really count them. But this extended family is planning on a Christmas trip, but they wake up late. So they have to head to the airport, and they cram everybody into the airport vans. They do a head count, but they make a mistake with the head count. And unfortunately, Kevin, their son, is left behind. And they don't even figure this out until they're on the plane. And when the time comes for them to land, there's no way to get a flight back. So mom has to hitch a ride with a polka band led by none other than John Candy, which is so awesome. Because John Candy is amazingly funny. So John Hughes, by the way, the reason he got John Candy in the film is when he was producing Uncle Buck, he got to know both John Candy and Macaulay Culkin. And he so much wanted John Candy to be in the movie, but John Candy couldn't because he was too busy. So John Hughes agreed that he'd film all of John Candy's scenes for Home Alone in one very long day. Everybody was exhausted, but it worked. Uh, back to the movie. Kevin wakes up in bed and realizes that he's home alone, that he got his wish, his family disappeared. They were so annoying. And he was home alone, but there's a problem. The wet bandits were looking to break into his house. And so Kevin decides to set a trap for them. And I want to tell you about the trap, but better than tell you, let me show you Kevin setting the traps in Home Alone. First, we can always come back for the truck. How do you want to go in? We'll go to the back door. Maybe he'll let us in. You never know. 
He's a kid. Kids are stupid. Stupid, huh? <laughs> he seems pretty resourceful to me. Uh, by the way, I would not want to be a stuntman for that movie. One of the actors that was just there, um, Daniel Stern, did some of the stunts and even got hurt while doing them. Um, now, here's the interesting thing. I picked Home Alone to warn you that this season can be chaotic. It can get so busy and so chaotic. We can be so overwhelmed with the cooking and buying presents, the crazy family members that will be staying at our house, that we forget the most important thing, the most important thing. In the case of the movie, the most important thing is they forgot their son. They forgot their son. In the case of us, it's that we're supposed to, during the holidays, you're supposed to rest. You're supposed to revive. And you're supposed to worship. You're supposed to worship your Savior who has come into the world for you to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And if Christmas celebration stuff, if that stresses you out, then that's not much of a celebration. That is not much of a holiday, which means holy day. It's not holy at all. God doesn't want that for you. Years ago, I love it that my mother-in-law had a rule on Christmas Eve, she would set a pot of chili and let it cook while we went to church. And we would worship and we would look at Christmas lights. And when we came back, nobody had to be busy in the kitchen because we had warm chili waiting for us. And more importantly, we had the people we love around the table with us. It was just a chance to celebrate and to be together and to not be too busy. Um, you make it, you go to worship, and it's there for you. How you plan today, how you plan today for Christmas, the kind of Christmas that you want, it's going to matter. It's going to matter for how you celebrate God in four days. That's what we want to do. I want to show you three pictures of Mary, Jesus' mom. Three pictures. This first picture is when Mary is picked by an angel. The angel Gabriel shows up and picks Mary to be the mother of Jesus, which first off, amazing. Out of all the people in the world, out of all the women who have ever lived, God chose that moment in time for his son Jesus to be born, and he chose that woman to carry his child. What an honor, what a beautiful honor. That means hundreds of years of waiting for the Messiah is over. The Jewish people have their Messiah now. God is going to show up. Maybe not the way we thought. A lot of people thought that when the Messiah would show up, that he would be a conquering king. No, God's going to show up the same way that you showed up as a baby, a baby with a mom. The same way you showed up is the same way that God's going to show up. So he's born because he's going to fulfill a promise, a promise not to destroy our enemies or anything like that. He's born to forgive them. He's born to forgive us. He's here to die for the sins of the world. And this is going to mean eternal healing for us. Now, parents, when you raise your kids, I know it's your goal to prepare them for life. It, when you're raising your kids, you want to prepare them for life. You're going to prepare them for their education. You want to prepare them so that they socially can make friends and work with people in their life. Uh, you want to prepare them for the career that they might have. They can be successful and hardworking. Uh, and, and ultimately, you want to prepare them for their own family so that they can meet somebody that they love, that they can be committed to, and if they want to, to raise their own family, to have their own kids. You're preparing them for that kind of future, and we all try to do that. Jesus, 
is being prepared for a cross and a tomb. Imagine what that's like for Mary and Joseph. Their son is being prepared to be a ransom, a sacrifice. Their son is being prepared to give his life in order to save our lives. You look at manger scenes, nativity scenes this season, but always remember there should be a shadow of the cross over the nativity. There's a shadow of the cross because it's made up of your sin and my sin. And the reason Jesus had to come into the world was to forgive that sin. That's why so many of our songs in the church, so many of our songs are about the blood of Christ. It's not because we're gory or something. It's about the blood of Christ because we want to remember the cost of our salvation, what it cost Jesus to win our salvation. And as Christians, we sing about it because we know it was, it was very strong. We know that there's a shadow over, of the cross over the nativity scene. The second picture I want to show you is a picture of Mary alone. Mary's alone. She's pregnant. She doesn't have a husband. She's in a culture that's going to shame her. They might even kill her. See, God has given her a great blessing. God has brought a great blessing and promise to her, but with that promise comes chaos. It's a beautiful honor, but it's brought chaos to her life, and God is asking her to be faithful, be faithful to him, but that might actually mean her life. Maybe the reason that this season is so chaotic sometimes is because it means so much. It means that God is fighting against the forces of evil. And is it any surprise at all that the forces of evil want to fight back? That the forces of evil want to ruin your family and want to ruin your faith? Because there's a lot at stake. And so Mary gets a great honor, but it costs her something. Now Joseph, he knows what's going to happen to her. So he wants to divorce her quietly. He still loves the girl. He just doesn't believe that she's been visited by an angel. He doesn't understand what's going on. Um, but he still cares about her. And then the angel Gabriel shows up. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us it's the angel Gabriel. It just says it's an angel. But Gabriel is the chief messenger angel of God. And the angel Gabriel in our story has already showed up and talked to Zechariah about the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And the angel Gabriel was the one that came to Mary and told her she was going to have a child. So I only think, I'm just going to go with that, that the Gabriel also came and sealed the deal. He went three for three, and he made sure that Joseph understood the prophecy as well. And so here's the third picture of Mary I want to show you. It's a picture of Mary together with Joseph. This is the man that stood up for her. This is the man that took the shame as well. Because everybody would think that he must have been sleeping with his girlfriend before they were married. They would have blamed him as well. But he keeps his chin up, he knows the truth, and he protects the girl. And he guards the child. Joseph is there to make sure that Mary is not home alone. And God also chose him to be his own stand-in. Imagine the father saying, Joseph, I want you to be my stand-in and to make the first Christmas family complete. So how about your family? 
Instead of home alone, how can you be a family that's home together? See, Jesus was born that none of us would ever have to be alone. And the first Christmas family, they had Jesus at the center of it, and we need Jesus at the center of our families as well. Now today, I've talked about dragons and evil rulers and blood, which doesn't sound like a fairy tale Christmas. And the reason is because Christmas is not a fairy tale. It's life and death stuff because Christmas costs something, because it's real and it's raw, because our lives are often real and raw. And God knows that. You see, if you've read parts of the Bible and you didn't find them disturbing, I would question whether you even really read the Bible. Because the Bible should be disturbing. Because our lives are often disturbing. Because the Bible is our story. It's our story. It tells our worst and it tells our best. It tells of our sin, tells of our mistakes, tells of our shame and our guilt. But it also tells a better story in the midst of our story. A better story of God redeeming us and God loving us and God coming for us, God with us. This is the season, Advent. This is the season that is waiting with anticipation. That the Savior is come, he's going to do something good in the world. Waiting for people to share it with. Waiting for answers to all our questions. Waiting for prophecies to come true. And then, suddenly on Christmas, the waiting is over. God's with us. And what we discover is a baby. A disturbing, confounding, enlightening, amazing, and beautiful ending to a lot of waiting. And you have four more days to live in that season of Advent with your family. My encouragement, live in it. Wait anticipate, pray, and when it's time to join the angel chorus, add your voice to it. I don't care if your voice is pitchy. I don't care if you sing out of tune. When we all sing together the angel chorus, when we all sing together, it sounds like heaven. When we all sing together, it makes God happy, and it is a witness to the world, a witness that the world needs to hear. And that's, that's what the movie Home Alone is all about. See, Kevin thought he wanted his family to disappear. And at first, he enjoyed his independence until he didn't. And then he realized that he valued his family, that he didn't want to be without them. He doesn't want to be home alone anymore. And besides, it's Christmas. He especially doesn't want to be home alone at Christmas. And then the polka king of the Midwest shows up. His truck pulls up, and John Candy has, has brought his mom home. And when Kevin sees his mom, and when Kevin ultimately later on sees the rest of his family, um, instead of home alone, for them, it's home together. I want to share one last quote with you. This is from Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa said, and this is so true, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the worst kind of property, poverty. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the worst kind of poverty. It's so true. It's so true. There's so many things in life that you could be without, but you don't want to be without others, especially others that love you. 
And that's why Christmas is God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God is with us. We're never really alone. Now this year, I'm going to tell you what, COVID has isolated us. COVID's a punk. COVID's a punk. It has stood against everything that the church stands for, which is to bring people together under God's love and to love everybody, no matter their backstory, but to love them because God loves them. Now, to recap, I want to share with you kind of three main points. Three main points. Something I want you to consider this Christmas since there's only four days left. Number one, how do you want your Christmas rest, revitalization, and worship to go in 2020? You and your family together, how do you want your Christmas rest, revitalization, and worship to go as we finish 2020? That's important. Number two, I want you to own a healthy plan and pace for your family to make that happen. Own the plan. Follow through with the plan. Whatever it is you want, own a healthy plan that's going to make that happen for your family. And then number three, have moments where you show gratitude to God for all your blessings. Recount the blessings that God's given you. Oh, and maybe one more point. Okay? Only because if you look at the first letter, I wanted to like spell out ho, ho, ho. It's Christmas, you know, something like that. That's our prayer for you today, by the way. That is our prayer for you, for God to bring us together, for God to remind you that he's always with us, and to pray for a little joy to end 2020. Now, a reminder to everybody at home, you have just a few hours to register for one of our hope boxes. It's Messiah's Christmas at Home gift box for you. We'd love for you to worship with us. But also for everyone that's here, if you would, when you leave, go grab one of these boxes in the lobby and give them to a neighbor or a friend. Grab a box, grab five boxes, I don't care. We want to share God's love with our neighbors. We want you to share God's love with your friends. So you can give them one of these boxes. There's a lot of fun stuff in here. Scented Play-Doh, candles, soap, all kinds of wonderful things, and some resources for you to worship with us this Christmas. God bless you, everyone. We're so glad to have you with us. I'm going to invite Pastor Chuck up right now to pray for you, pray for your family, pray that God's message and God's gospel sinks into your family's heart. Just remember, we're always with you. God is with you. Amen.